0: One of my great Kamamak uh, heroes was uh, Big Derek McDicken, Big D as he was known. I mean, his very presence on the field was fearsome. That was before he took his teeth out as well. He was a formidable character. Him and Paul Clark at that time was a really terrific defence. I mean, you imagine that guy running at you. You know, that's a big.
1: It wasn't just the cartoonist Malky McCormick who admired this week's guest, Kilmarnock Football Club Hall of Famer Derek McPickham. Popular for his honest, hard-working approach both on and off the park, Big D's 15 years at the club were distinguished by a strong connection with Achilles' supports. A relationship which endures. In episode 14 of Killy Histories, Derek talks about the pride his family felt when he signed for his boyhood team, the opponents he faced, his values as a player, and the formidable partnership with Paul Clark. I'm Gordon Gillan, and this is Derek McDicken. Fans in the 1970s and 80s, the names Dickon and Clark, they're very closely linked together. So yeah. let me ask you this then, please: in that partnership, how did you approach the game?
2: You know, we just had an understanding, you know, and, and we always gave each other plenty of time. I mean, if, if, the robot, if the keeper kicked the ball, out for instance, and it was halfway, and you're it, it always coming to it, uh, coming up to us, I, I would say, Paul, it's mine, and, and vice versa, and in that way, we never get in each other's road. And it was a great understanding if he went my man up I, I went round behind him and vice versa again. And it was really a good understanding again. And well, aye, it worked well. It worked great. Plus two fullbacks eh, Robbie and, and Stuart was great fullbacks as well. It, it was a really good defence at that time. Aye, I think it must have been seventy nine, we had the least goals lost. And I think that that was the time that West Ham was in to sign me and
1: Stoke was in to sign Paul. And it was just through that, because we had a, a, a defensive record. And that's something that is talked about quite a lot, this idea of there being big interest from yeah, from well, English by clubs. That time, by that time, both of it, as I say, stoked, I think it was interest all, and uh, in West Sam for myself.
2: Because I, I went touring, I went touring team. Middlesex Wonders that same year, 79, eh, 78 sorry, and was talked about that I was going to West Ham. And Bobby Ferguson was in that trip as well, because he was way West Ham, you know, and he actually said to me on the trip, she I'll see you next season, big man. So that's how close it was for me to go eh, to go to West Ham. But it didn't, obviously, come on up, thought it different than when they you know, let us go. So. At that time, we are not afraid of the contract or was so... so. Didn't say, Do you want to go in? You want to? And that was
1: it. So that's Derek's take. I asked his long-time centre-back partner, Paul Clark, for his perspective. We developed his players. And we developed together as players, you know, because
3: I started out, I was probably a, quite a, a big, raw guy. Derek was certainly a big, raw guy, strong with it. You know, and it took us a few years probably to refine our game a wee bit. We probably both refined the game at the same time you know, it became similar type of players who we were just big dominating centre halves who could tackle, who could kick the ball, we could make sure we could win the ball in the air. It was one of the things where over the years it became like second nature to both us. You know, and I, I was never ever coached. We never ever got any coaching from the managers as such. You know, it was just one of the things that it developed between us And it was only us, I would certainly say that Stuart McLean and Alan Robertson on both sides, the right back and left
1: back, also had a similar knowledge of who was going to do what and when. And that was why the defence was was as good as it was. When I asked about doing an episode on Derek McDicken, were you expecting me to ask you about Derek because you're so closely associated with each other?
3: That's a good question. (laughs) Uh, I would probably be surprised if you hadn't asked me. When you actually look at it you know, looking back thirty years, forty years, whatever it was now, we sort of became intertwined, you know, it was it was always McDickin um, and Clark, uh, Clark and McDick and That was the partnership that, that we would talk about. And it was a bit like, you know, I was I was thinking earlier on as well, you know, there was there were great partnerships at that time and football. And you thought if you talk about MacLeish and Miller and the Aberdeen team or Hegarty and Neary the D team, I would argue that dick and the clark were up there with them we were every bit as capable as them we weren't full time which maybe was a was a big drawback In fact i would say it certainly was a drawback because we were doing a part with that kind of partnership which i think over the years if you think back in it they, they were good partnerships play for scotland etc etc the fact of our part time is maybe a wee bit unfortunate for us it is becoming known as a partnership because Football is it's a team game, so obviously you'd want to play with other players and be comfortable with other players. OK, it boils down to you're an individual player in that particular team, but if you can get a, a partnership where Derek and I were playing together every week, week in, week out, I think we played... 300 games in the same team, which is a, an amazing amount of games, and we were good for each other because we played. And players that come up and tried to take our positions, or whatever, you know, managers would come and go, but we were still there. We were still there together. So it was always Clark McDicken, McDickin Clark. Obviously, we were beneficial to each other. Would you have described Derek McDickin as a hard man? Yes, I definitely would. Uh, Derek was capable. And again, back in the day when we played, that was you had to have players like that. You know, Every team had their hard men. Now, I didn't consider myself to be a hard man, but obviously I had the physical height and strength to be capable of uh, making sure that if somebody was annoying some of our teammates, shall we say, then I could maybe get my way to help them. But... I was quite happy that Derek was at my back because if Derek's at your back, then you know that you're you're safe uh, from behind because Derek was uh, a capable player who's actually amazingly quite skilful for his size and weight because he could dribble his way out of uh, situations in the penalty box that uh, kind of left a aghast sometimes at how he got away with it. He was certainly there when it came to a, a fight or a kick or a, a tackle or something like that. Derek was always there to help you and it was, it was a great thing to, to know he was there. I would say we were rivals at the start. Obviously, he was a, a couple of years older than me, so he was, he was in the, the team. He was just getting established in the team. He was a big, young, raw boy. And at that time, I came along a couple of years later, and I was a big, raw, young boy. And we were both centre-halves to play in the same position because Brian Rodman was kind of established there. He'd been in international squads, so it was one of the two of us to play beside Brian Rodman. And in actual fact, for the first two or three seasons, we played in the same team, but basically I, I played alongside a uh, guy called Frank Welsh, but Derek was good enough to get into the team and played in midfield, and he also played striker, so he, was, he wasn't just uh, a big defender, he was able to play different positions, and he, he scored a lot of goals, quite a few important goals for Cormorneau. We were rivals, and then we get pitched together, and very quickly we became pretty inseparable actually <laughs> when you think about it, if we played 300 games together we played a lot of games for a Monarch if you ever coined the phrase know, you would run through a brick wall well Derek was certainly capable of doing that he could lead on the park. And yet, he wasn't particularly vociferous. You know, I don't think Derek and I, when we played, really ever had a a major argument or a major fallout about anything that we did. It may be a question of, he would say to me, come on, big man, you should have done this. Or I would say to him, look, Derek, what about this? You know, it was never, we never, ever had a healthy respect for each other's opinions. But I would say that when we played with, again, I get back to the the defence of of Alan McCulloch and goals, Jim McLean the right back, Alan Ross the left back. We played over a thousand games together, you know. And I think if you put that together, we had very few actual fallouts, and that was down to probably we were all leaders in our own way. Derek, Derek was a was a good leader because he kind of led from the front, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Derek was built like a proverbial. Obviously, no, he was uh, he was a big, tall guy, extremely well built. Took the teeth. Out, <laughs> and uh, he was certainly a scary guy. But as we there was was not many people in the in our dressing room. Never mind the dressing room. Were, uh, were going to be up there uh, And the fact that he came through open as well, you know, sort of added to the uh, mystique. If you
1: like, he was he was more skillful than I think he got the credit for. And I wonder if maybe his physical appearance and uh, yeah, the teeth and the moustache and the six foot three, that will lead to maybe people having preconceived ideas about what somebody's going to be like.
3: Yeah, but I think uh, Derek could follow that through. When he started talking as well, <laughs> he liked he liked a wee snarl every now and then. And he certainly knew when you could see players playing against him. And when we played; we were kind of allowed, uh, if that's the word, a, a free a free hat uh, early on in the game. I would say that over the years that I played with Derek, uh, he didn't waste many of those particular uh, opportunities. We just knew that we could all play together and work together and, you know, the the opportunities that we had at the time because sometimes we played in teams that, that weren't quite as uh, good, shall we say, probably were under a lot of pressure for you know, a lot of the game, but it was teamwork, and particularly in the back four, helped by people like Jimmy Clark, you know, in the midfield, who would come back and help us as well, and it was just a good, good unit. If my brother had coached us, he'd have been proud of us. I would imagine, you know, because he coaches defences and gets them to do it properly, and we actually just did it kind of naturally. I would say.
1: It's hard to imagine the menacing six foot three big D being popular with today's referees. What was that relationship like thirty five years ago? Could you approach them?
2: Definitely. I'm like, oh, dear. it's, it's, it's night and day now. You couldn't even speak. You used to have jokes with referees. You could have a joke with a referee, and he would to you. back. I mean, I get in there a bit of after that I, I I bring it up all the time about the referees. And the referees I used to have great banter with the referees, and it, 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 they just took it. I mean, I can tell you one. The new, if you want, I can, the one that I, I usually tell when I'm out is the one that the free kick it was against uh, Aberdeen. I mean, made a wall. Yeah, you make the wall for the free kick, and uh, I don't know what Aberdeen player it was. I had it, but it hurt right in the you know where. Yeah, I thought I had to cough. Kind of, I was coughing a bit uh, in the private. And, uh, and it was. And I was roaming about the gun and he was a referee. And he come up to me, and he says, "Ah, oh, Mister McBick," he says, "There's no sex for you tonight," and me even. I'm quite quite, quick with it and I looked at him and I said oh well your wife won't be happy about that (laughs) and he wasn't pleased about that actually. no he laughed he did laugh but he says "You could see in his face Kenny, he was going oh yap." (laughs) so uh, things like that you can get away with things like that with referees and and, and they were saying things another one was the New Year game at Somerset and he oh the wee referee he was God's sake, forgive his name. Come to me. But, uh, and he says to me, oh, and the wind was blowing, it was a, a terrible day. And he said, oh, and he, some decision, he had a decision. And, uh, and I says to him, what a, game you're, <laughs> what a game you're having. Absolutely terrible. He says, listen, you want to come and storm in the realm, you're not doing too well yourself. <laughs> <laughs> you know, things like that. I mean, you, you can't, you can't see things like that to referees nowadays. You know what to do
1: anymore. And I know there were a lot of things that weren't right with the game, maybe off the field and, and that type of thing, but it seems to me the game itself was maybe a wee bit more enjoyable. It didn't take itself too seriously. Would that be a fair point? Oh,
2: definitely. Definitely. I mean, the thing with the referees is a perfect example. I mean, that's just one thing. The there are things with with the players as well. I mean, you, some of the things we say to each other, wasn't, couldn't even repeat them. But see after the game, just he we went for the pain. He had a pleasure about the game. And don't do that So to, to me, uh, too much money. I think money is the Yeah, you know, just uh, And I'm not, I'm no jealous in any whatsoever. I mean, I made enough out the game that I didn't mean the rest of my life because I wasn't a stupid way. Like yeah, but um, I think that's what I said. Because I remember um, playing at Ivor's. David Proven was playing with Comana at the time. He was playing Rangers, obviously at Ibrox, and uh, me, Proven, was diving about the, the, the day now, uh, and me, David Proven, was diving about, and John greg went in a tackle with him, and he Proven got, jumped over him, but he rolled as if Greg had him. And I've never seen a man as his army in all my life, as John Craig was that day. And that's why I kept shouting to him, oh, you're doing this genius, fellow professional.
1: As a centre-half, you were known for being a great tackler. But you also played in midfield, so I, I wonder which position you preferred to play in.
2: I played uh, every number except the goalkeeper. <laughs> I had every number in my back except the goalkeeper. A lot of folk don't know that. Like, I played 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I played centre-forward. I played midfield. I played uh, defence. <laughs> I just wanted to play football. Well, the family came to me, I went to the night in train, train pass. What man do you think... She says, do you think you could play middle and midfield? I says, I'll play anywhere. As long as I've got a jersey on, I, mean, I says, I'll play anywhere. You tell me that you want me to play. She says, no, I'll play it. I'm just saying with Davy Sneddon, Davy Sneddon, big man. I'm going to need to put up number nine today. I says, I'll play wherever you want. I've got a jersey on, I says, I'll play wherever you want. And i never let myself down at any, any time. You know, I, mean, I, I mean, I did a job, I scored goals, I scored... I forget when he goes it was I scored in my career but uh, for people think you're a defender but I scored 40 goals ah something like that but folks folk kind of was just a set half I said how's it they just score 40 goals I said well I didn't because I played he named it I played it I even not played in the wing game. it was just uh, set up we had and all I did was just I just stayed to the, the right hand I stayed to the right just gave me the ball I got the ball and I played the easy yeah. ball and then I'll get to the other side and I get crossed I had to again I get in the box and score I tell you, I had to play anywhere, anywhere at all. If I asked me to play in goals I would have
1: played in goals key I'm trying to imagine Derek the look on the full backs faces when they think they're going to be up against a, a natural winger and then there's Derek McDicken up against them
2: I, well, I don't know what they thought but <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I had to take with the glute but uh I certainly wasn't a flying winger, I can assure you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't a flying winger. But, no, no. I certainly enjoyed my career. I had a great career. I, Kamara, I, mean, I went to watch Kilmarock when I was 10 year old, 10 years of age, I took one of my, my brother's friends. took me 10 year old, I'll be part. Every Saturday, home game. And if I was going to a team, the only one team I was going to was out.
3: chance now for Bryson. A header and that was a great chance for Brian Gallagher. And this time it's in. The goal not in hold by Derek McDicken. That goal was certainly coming 15 and a half minutes into the first half. McDicken makes it his ninth goal of the season for Kilmarnock.
1: It's changed a lot as a club, you would say, particularly in terms of the stadium. Oh, the
2: I, oh, I, stadium's brilliant. I mean, it's great looking stadium and that, but, but we're not to beat the old place i At least a pound for every time i run around about that trap. Honestly, uh, that's where we did done that his training. That's near where that hard training was. Uh, then you were up and down the terraces. That was the right rugby part. That was the real one. I mean, it's the I mean, they went at the times. So I, yeah. I had to go at those times. So it's a great stadium there. Yeah? Well, it always was, but uh, just modernised so it. So just keeping up to date, didn't it?
1: By 19, you were playing every single week. They say centre-back's a difficult position to play, so why do you think you were able to fit in so quickly into the first team?
2: The boys that was round about me, about me and they helped me. Brian Rodman helped me, uh, not for love a lot, and oh. I came in at first. Brian, I played alongside Brian. Brian, half I was a sweeper at that time, uh, and Brian helped me tremendously. And then you had the likes of Dilly Dicks, and you know, I had players that were away you know, back You know what I mean? The Boys that had won the league. They're still there. They're tell me what to do. Brian, he think he had maybe strings. I think I was a puppet. I was up and doing He was telling me when to go and when not to go and when to stop. When not. Brilliant. I had great boys running the me. And for goalkeepers, well, I don't need to tell you the goalkeepers. Didn't have a bad one. Didn't have a bad goalkeeper. And as a centre-back, if you've got a goalkeeper that lets you know they're there, that's that's half your problem. Solved. Gives you other confidence in the world. If you can the boys coming over and your goalkeeper's coming here to punch you or back it or pack it out of the air, that makes your makes your job I understand better. And I never played with it. one bad goalkeeper.
1: That's very interesting because Paul Clark said almost exactly the same thing about the importance <sighs> of the goalkeepers. Oh I I never had a bad goalkeeper. The only goalkeeper I've felt sorry for the
0: uh I had somebody to look up to was uh, young Jim Brown, young Jimmy Brown. They may get flung in against Rangers, I felt sorry for him that yeah. day. So, uh,
2: apart from that, he, he was a good goalkeeper the way, but he just, he just got flung in at the wrong time. And, uh, apart from all the rest of them, right even uh, uh, a, a I mean, the Switchers even Sandy McGoughlin, I played with Troun. The fan muted to trood. When I signed the commander the fan muted to trood. and When get uh, Sandy came. Just for example. New seasons. No, it was very interesting because I was only there. We had a short time. The Sandy came. And a goalkeeper he was as
1: well. A huge result for Kilmarnock was undoubtedly that Scottish Cup victory against Celtic in March of nineteen seventy eight. You scored the winner yes. and you also cleared, yeah. lo- cleared one off the line as well. No, you, aye, that's
2: right, just after that, that's right, that's right. Best,
1: best performance for Kilmarnock, do you think?
2: Most satisfying. I don't know about best performance, but uh, most satisfying. But no, it was good to say. Campbell Forsyth had a great, he he gave me a great write up in the paper after that one. I remember that great goalkeeper, Campbell Forsyth, he gave me a great write up. But uh, no, it was just, again, it was a team effort, it was just good. I mean, Paul stuck stuck in, two full backs, Stuart and Lobie were. Just one of the games, you know. Uh, oh, it's nice. It's nice to. This is the one that people bring up all the time, Ken. Well, look, the commander boys come up. to watch the Talbot, Ken, and that's the one they always bring up. If I'm of the game, like Ken, I always give a sit with the commander, There's a few of the commander boys come up to, and watch me, Ken, on my day and my day, like, and I have a great player with them. And, but that's the game. <coughs> that's the game they always bring up. To this day, I still spend time with people. If somebody wants to speak to me about Kamana or, or, or my time at Cormanna, or anything, I'll, I'll always take time. I'll, I'll always take time to speak to them all the time. Anybody who wants to speak to my wife will tell you, I'll go show my Cormanna, and she could have the show finished, and I'm still talking to somebody that wants to talk about it. <laughs> he says, we won't do to, to show. <laughs> <laughs> I can start talking to somebody. Uh, Jim Clooney. get my a i for been late. I was five minutes late. Can't am three o'clock ago. We supposed to be here for two. I come in about five, eight minutes past two. And he... went half his nut. And me and him was... Me and him is always arguing anyway, buddy. So uh, I come in and he says, where have you been? I says, it was outside there, sir. He says, you're supposed to be here for two o'clock. He's getting a swear. The, kind of, he liked to swear. And he says, "They're supposed to be here for two. I says, listen, I'm signing autographs for the people that's paying my wages. I says,
0: as long as I'm here for three cloak, I says, don't you like
2: that, buddy? And he wasn't happy about it, but uh, I don't know where he went away and thought a bit but I said, head. But he, never, he was never brought up again. But things like that, I mean, well, I'm going to tell the truth. When people pay their wages, I'm going to take time with them. As long as I'm there for the good in the park, I says, no, need to change my mind.
1: Derek, what is the question? You, you, you talk about people coming up to you all the time. What is the question you get asked the most often? about your come on
2: days. You remember scoring against Celtic? Is it? <laughs> that's it. You remember I go he scored against Celtic? And I says I'll never forget it. That's, my, that's the other thing. I'll never forget it. You see I was a supporter when he was a boy right for 10 year old for the same and it was just and then to get in the Hall of Fame is was just it unthinkable. Getting out and there was just if you'd have told me that would have happened, there's would the difficulty to go and jump to yourself. Uh, no, i aren't to be any prouder than that. I was when I got that. Can I assure you? Three, four uh, seasons. I was the captain. we five seasons or so. And it was a game, it was a game game anyway. There were two or three other boys coming in. And I was coming to them. And uh, we, the boys and I see the or whatever. You autograph, autograph, autograph. <sighs> Thank you, Mr. Joe Kearney, I think it was Joe Kearney and somebody else. We are freeing them. I forget, I forget who they were doing. And they were saying, Oh, I'm going to get time for autographs, I'm going to get time for autographs, isn't it? And then they went and they signed my autograph, and I went in the dressing room and I got it. And I sat and doing it, and I said, Listen, other are the people that's paying your wages. See, if you can't sign an autograph, you shouldn't be here. They looked at him as if they say, What's up? Yeah. I said, Listen, listen and I'm going to telegraph for the same. Oh, you don't need to tell. I says, I'm telling them. Because if I don't tell them, somebody else will tell them. So I'm going to. Tell him. And I says, listen, how hard is it to sign a Well, I'm going to say i saying. If you're to be at like 2 o'clock, arrive at quarter day two, and you've got 15 minutes to day five to day. That's what i did. done. If I had to be there for 2 o'clock, I always arrived from the parking. half one what to do and I had time for the people outside and that's the way it should be. Ninety five percent of the, the boys were are the same. Just got the old ones that just throw it oh, yeah, I'm not side on that. I don't like that. It's no way I, I've always been a people's man right enough. Just, just I've never been big head in my life. I'm me. I've enough thousands and thousands of people that I'm me. And see if you don't like me. Tough. I'm um, what I'm um, and I through life, the way that I want to be through life. No the way that other people tell me to. I said, if you don't like me for that, tough. And I've got ninety nine percent people that like me because I'm um, um, I'm not change for anybody. Looking like, born and brain, looking like, second youngest is twelve of your family. How the f can I be big heated? How, how can I be better than anybody else? Second youngest is twelve of your family. You understand how I was brought up. Six brothers and five sisters. And my father was not make television at that time. I think get nothing else today. <laughs> <laughs> I never went anywhere and said, "I'm hey, um, me." Hey, I'll get. Can I get such and such? Can I? When I had uh, because I was a football player, uh, people came to me. I'm not about anybody else right? because I played football. Right? Chance. I'm oh. not afraid
1: to them in the graves. Do you think that's why you were chosen as, as the club captain? A strong figure?
2: Well, I don't even need to ask the manager that. But, uh, I, just, I, I suppose it was, because uh, I just say it as it is. You get boys to play. I mean, the captain is always just to get the boys to play around about you and keep them right. And I suppose the, the manager just thought I was the person for the job. so. That's the
1: way I look at it, isn't it? What was the dressing room like?
2: Laughing a joke. Oh, right tight. Right. Laid back, laid back. It came to you, obviously, the manager. He had, his, he had to do his speech and, and tell us what he wanted. it was looking out for his. but up till then, it was, I oh, know, it's just jokes. Oh, well right. oh, it had to be jokes. Why couldn't I couldn't live without telling jokes or something like that. It's the best way, for, best way for me to relax before a game. Was to to be funny about it and have a joke. And I was saying, I still get nervous, don't be around, I still get nervous.
1: But, uh, no, that was uh, was a great dressing Great dressing Apart from Derek McDickin, who would be the (laughs) one or two that would be be Uh, kind of...
2: Oh, my was kind of Billy Murdoch, when Billy Murdoch was there. Billy was funny, really, really funny. There were some mangonjes once. But they were daft, they were only they they trying to be funny, <laughs> I was just natural. It was just natural. I know, That no, was a great dressing it was really. Eddie Morrison, Eddie, Eddie was a joker, Eddie liked the joke. played by Eddie and, and he became manager and, and I thought that was the wrong move for him. I actually
0: told him that as well. I thought it was a wrong move. I didn't think he was the,
2: the man for the then He it was too much too of a hero, uh, too much a hero, and he came back and tried to do managerial. It didn't work. He was, if you think about it, if you play all the years with the boys, like myself and and uh, Paul, he played along with us, and then come back and he's he's going to try and tell us what to do. That doesn't work. No, that doesn't work. It's difficult. That's, that's alright if you go away from the club, right? And come back when the neighbor's no that he hadn't played the he hadn't played with any of the boys. But Eddie had played with the the majority of the team that he was now the manager. And I, I just I didn't think it worked. Honestly didn't it? no.
1: And it's a risk, isn't it, when you're thought of that way by the fans as well.
2: Well that's right, that's that. It. It's a fans' favourite. No. Eddie and Document came. But getting the fans were all for it, right? But if you don't uh, the business. They're no longer turning against you. They, they did start turning against them. And I did tell him, I said hey, I told you, you should have went somewhere else. Again, again he was at Morton, but he wasn't he wasn't the full thing at Morton but to come as he is the manager, I, I tell him it was the wrong thing for him to do. Definitely he agree with me, that's yeah it's like the anyway that
1: was his choice again. Derek, I think I know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. You're from the local area, you watch Kilmarnock, you know, you're talking about at 10 years old watch, watching Kilmarnock. D- does that add any extra pressure, or is it something that, that you would thrive on? Oh, no, I
2: thrived on it. Oh, I thrived on it. loved it. Definitely I thrived on it. It was. If you could, <clears throat> if you could have seen my mother, Bush picked me up about where I lived, he just came around the corner and he went down to the main street, the bank corner, and I got picked up with Kilmarnock team coach, to go up to, they were playing a, a, a friendly against an amateur team, up there, a third just up for me, and I was to go and play with them, uh, and there, Norman McNeil was the second team manager at the time, and I, I had to go and play there, and after the game was by, and I was going back to him, and he said, so, I think i will be seeing a wee bit more of you, Derek, but we'll let you can, and, that, and that's how I got to play the commander, and then my mother won for one and it's not telling everybody. I'd say in the commander. These days that was a big big thing for somebody to told a family Ken. again. Ken I was a blue eyed boy. <laughs> 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 it was a dream come true for me. and I told everybody that for to go and play with the team that you supported as a boy. You you going tell nobody tell me that any boy wouldn't dream about that. I mean, and it wasn't just my family and my friends and everything. were all happy for me. I mean, they were all... That's what I went do. when I was a, a wee boy. That it. That's what I went today, was play football. And then I went do when I was a wee boy. And then I went to... My ambition was to be a football player and to go, go to Hawaii. the you know, films in the telly and all that, and you've seen Hawaii, and that. And that was... My, things in life that so I had so many things I wanted to do I wanted to be a football player and I wanted to go to Hawaii well I became a football player and I got married in Hawaii so now I think that's the way I am because honestly you ask my wife she's, she's making the day I she's not listening <laughs> <laughs> I don't I have no care in the world honestly I'm the easiest going boat that walks with two legs I have no care in the world because I've achieved everything I wanted to achieve in my life nothing bothers me Nothing. Bothers. I'm not saying nothing boils. You know, somebody's looking for boilers, get boilers, but
1: nothing boils me. Nothing boils me whatsoever. My wife will tell you that. She says if I got any more laid back, you fall in the back of your head. <laughs> You're talking about it being kind of your boyhood ambition, and as it is for, I guess, a lot of young boys and girls to be, you know, to be a professional sports person. But was it everything you
2: hoped it would be? you know much of plan
0: now? No. No. I achieved everything I wanted to
2: achieve when I was a wee boy. I achieved that. I got that, and I always, and I wanted to, be able to buy a car when I could, be able to afford it, buy my own house, not have any mortgage, no have, I've done all these things, I've done everything that I wanted to do as a wee boy. I've achieved everything in there. My family's my life now. I've achieved things that uh, that I've I can leave I lost my daughter last a couple of years ago but I've got a grandson to bring up now I'm 65 years of age you know, but I've got a wee 11 year you old know, that I'm bringing
0: up but I can assure you he'll be brought up he'll be brought up and brought up right he wants to go for the player and I asked him if he wants to kick the
2: players away that I kicked them, <laughs> 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 and he says aye so it's have to. Look. The luck for it in life now, is bringing that wee boy out to this. He wants to be a football player. I says,
1: I'll do my best for him. I hope you're going to bring him up as a Kelly fan, or at least a Talbot fan. Oh, he's he's base. Good. He's base, same as me. Talbot uh, goes every Saturday to the Henn Games, and he's meant to go to Cormannan. He's He's 11 now, he's 12, and he asked me, Papa, when can I go to Cormannan? Be I can assure you, I'll pick him to come out of it. I'll pick
2: him to come out of the sport. I'm still coming through and through. It's the first result I look for every Saturday. If I am go the Talbot game, I do a bit of hospitality for the Talbot game. Uh, the same as when I come to Comanat. I get invited down to Comanat. I love him down there. I meet now with the old faces. Talking with it. Oh, no. No. <laughs> And when I sometimes I go to Kilmarnock and forget to come home <laughs> My wife will say, When will you be home? and I just say, I'll be home. <laughs> sometimes.
1: <laughs> One of the great Kilmarnock characters, Derek McDicken. Thank you to Derek for talking to me about why Kilmarnock Football Club is still so special to him. It was fantastic to speak again with fellow Hall of Famer Paul Clark, whose partnership with Derek remains one of the club's most popular. Thanks as always to Paul and Ray Montgomery of the Former Players Association for their support. And to the Killy Trust for the ongoing backing of the podcast production costs. Killy Histories is a Right Half Communications production. Find out more at righthalf.co.uk previous 13 episodes can be found at the kill Histories website Killehistories.com. and the Twitter page at Killy Histories has a lot more, including a popular On This Day feature. The theme music Clear Progress by Music.com, is used under a free Creative Commons license. This interview was recorded by telephone in February 2021. I'm Gordon Gillen see you next
3: time it was a big game player the harder the game the opponent was the bigger the game the better Derek showed up and I think that says a lot because you get a lot of players that actually don't play particularly well come to the big games they get Overcome with nerves or whatever it is, but Derek always came up to the mark, and that was one of the biggest, biggest compliment I could earn that he was, he was able to produce the goods when it mattered. had the philosophy, uh, no shall not pass. I tried like to stick to that, so that was marketing, What are you
2: thinking? Yeah. I remember George Bates came to Hibs and he played against him and he was supposed to be finished at that time when he comes to Hibs. So I that was him finished, I would not like to play against him when, when he was at his peak. So what a play, what a guy getting you know, off, on and off the park. It was, a, it was a pleasure to play against a basketball. Pleasure to kick him too! <laughs> 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 uh, me and Paul had come about it, having a really hard, uh, man did they like, you know, just been hard. I think it was about five or ten minutes ago she always in with the referee and I said to you, I said, um, how long ago is she? She said, oh, my third thing, man. I said, it's like a game once ago. Laughing, the am just laughing. And uh, she said, oh, it's five minutes, man. I said, oh, that's okay, man. I said, that's okay, man. next to him, basically at the bottom and they play the plate they've got in. And I walked the ball and him and everyone went up there and he continued. Was laughing up at me, and he says, I I knew that was coming, big man, I knew that was coming.